In pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential. 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 Jesus House for All Nations. This message has been recorded live at Jesus House for All Nations. God bless you. the Lord. Lift up your hands to Jesus. I want you to worship him today. Give him glory. Somebody pray that God will touch your life. not an easy exercise so just pray it okay pray taradaboshebe kabakatishika keri barusha kabahata Somebody pray. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name. We give you glory. Silobo Keep praying. Tana mega dezeke bohoto le de boche ke biya kata kabaha limanga dada kabaha tari de borodi bigatande zimba yanduri yandi maguda lampodoni yandi ni magabunda rabakabunda ramagaban limba tantara rabatantara ramarani bikata lekrento seke brentere de bozandiyan lampatuni yandi makunda rabaki yanduro babi. Shandara Raba Buru Raba Hando Riba Paina Raba Peri Lekateri Lebo Rolimikataya 
Amen. You may be seated. We will work with this song the more when I finish teaching. Thank you, choir. Good one. Shall we clap and praise God? Amen, 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 amen. Are you happy to be here this morning? It's going to be electrifying, very powerful. And I want you to get ready for what God will do this morning. I notice that people who do extra things always receive extra blessing from God. And um, being here this morning, you are doing something extra because um, ideally you are supposed to be taking care of the affairs of your house and you chose to be here. Some will be at weddings, others will be at funerals, some will be at graduations, some will be on holiday and so on and so forth. But, but I believe God is going to bless your life. Day number eight, and I'm sure some of you are saying number eight. Um, so how many days are left? 13. And my wife and I were talking this dawn we are doing this 40-day fast, and today is 20th day. So to, yesterday, my wife was saying, ah, the thing is left with 20 whole days. And I'm like, I agree with you. But yesterday, I was going to a meeting in the evening. You know, I had yesterday in the night to rest by Pastor Agu. And then one of my sons called me and said, Papa, can you pass through our church just two minutes? <laughs> And I told him, this oil on us doesn't pass through places. It either goes or it doesn't go. So I had to go there, minister up to about midnight. I closed, I think, around five minutes to 12 or something. You know, and you're fasting, you're tired. Then I have to come back to the hotel and get ready to come here this morning. And then around, um, what is it? Maybe around three, a friend of mine woke me up from from Canada and um, we had to speak and counsel and pray and I forced myself to sleep again because normally it's not easy to sleep during this period how many of you notice that your sleep has been messed up yeah sometimes uh, it's just like God doesn't allow you to sleep because you wake up and you can't sleep so you better pray it's better to be praying than to be tossing about on your bed and binding a non-existent demon. God is telling you to pray. Now, this morning, I'm going to do some, I'm going to do some work. Um, there are things God has given me revelation of, and one of them is the anointing. Um, this book is called Accessing the Anointing. This one is the structured anointing. That one is the nature of the anointing. And this one is the complete anointing. I think, and um, on that table, we still have one called the audacious anointing. I think you should get all of them. This morning, I'll just speak from, I'll just try to introduce the structured anointing. Everybody say the structured anointing. Come on, say it again, the structured anointing. Now, it's very interesting when you talk about anointing being structured because many people say that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I had a friend who one day told me, he said, Eastwood, you are very difficult to be structured. But that is the opposite because I realize you cannot be anointed if you are not structured. 
the anointing is a very structured thing. Reason many people can carry an anointing for a long time is because there's no structure in the anointing. Anytime you attempt to put structure in the anointing, people accuse you of being in the flesh. But truth is, the anointing cannot have longevity if it is not structured. So by constitution, the anointing is structured. In terms of the carriers of the anointing, it is structured. And in terms of the conduction of the anointing, it is structured. Everybody say constitution. And everybody say carriers. And everybody say conduction. Because I'm going to be speaking about these three words. The constitution, the carriers, and the conduction. So when I speak about the constitution, it helps you to know what the anointing is. Then I talked about the carriers. And when I get to the conduction, then it helps you this morning to receive. Is that okay? Because this morning we have to receive something. Um, I've told you, I, I write on many subjects. But one of the topics, by the grace of God, I understand more than any other subject is the anointing. Um, it used to be the anointing, then <clears throat> the love of God took over. These days, I think I understand the love of God more than any other topic. Um, how we should love the Lord our God with all our hearts and then love our neighbor as ourselves. I understand that one more than any other topic. This morning, I got up and then um, we have a friend somewhere who has to come to London for me to do some counseling and pray. And then um, when we looked at that, how much it's going to cost for tickets and so on and so forth, we put the economics together. And then we said, well, it's better to send her the money than to, um, than to get her to come. And then I called the organizers back and I said, no, I have to see her. Seeing her and ministering to her is better than sending money. You see, that is the love in operation. Um, many people sometimes think that life is all about just money. But life is bigger than that. And um, so I understand the love of God and the way it operates. But this morning I want to take you into the anointing. And I pray that God will bless you and help you to understand what I'm teaching. Everybody say structure. Now, structure is defined as something that is organized so that the various parts relate well with each other. So, anytime you think about the anointing, you are thinking about something that is organized. I want you to scream organized. organized. The other day, I saw Dr. Shola Adiaga and he came into pastor's lounge and he was holding this paper with time allocations and then this time we are doing that and this time we are doing that and this time we are doing that. If you are not careful, you think it's the flesh. As I'm speaking, time is ticking. You may think it's the flesh but it's organization. And when I come to this church, one of the things I see is organization. For example, I came in, somebody was reading a scripture, the person sat down, and then the organ was playing something, and everybody was quiet. I love that part 
I wish it could go on for three hours. But my desire was cut short. And then Pastor Bajo came up and put me into this wahala. <laughs> you know, don't mind some of my Nigerian terms. You know, I'm a Ghanaian by birth, Nigerian by choice. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, I don't believe in, um, what is the name, reincarnation. But if I was a believer in reincarnation, if I'm coming into the world again, I may have come as a Nigerian. You know, but, you know, so I look at the videos and I saw him holding that paper and it reminded me of Pastor Rod Parsley's church. When I go there, I see everything is according to program. And they shade some portions yellow, some portions red, some portions green. I have never understood all those red, green, and yellow, but I just know that it gives structure. There must be structure in marriage, structure in the family, structure in the church. When you flow with the anointing, there has to be structure. When I teach my ushers how to catch people, there is structure. So when I go to many churches, I fight. Because you see, my people are trained in a certain way. For example, if I'm laying hands on people and I raise my right hand, no usher in our church will make a mistake coming from that side of my body. I may push you. Of course, when I go to other people's churches, I allow it because they don't have traffic regulations. <laughs> but <laughs> if it is our own church, they know that the hand that is carrying the anointing, if I put my right hand that way, they know that the weapon or the tool that is at work at that time is my right hand. That means if you have no business with that right hand, don't even touch it. But if you catch the person from my right, you may interfere with the flow. So you are either behind the person you are catching or you are on the left. When I switch to using my left hand, all I'm saying is that everybody on my left, you are off duty. The people that can operate now are the people behind this person or they should be on my right. So there are a lot of laws and rules. And, and when somebody's falling under the power, I don't permit you to change the direction of the fall. So if the person's going that way, catch up. You help the person to go that way. If the person is going towards the right, you help the person towards the right. If the person is going towards the left, you help towards the left. You don't change the direction. The book of Ecclesiastes says that in the direction where the tree falls, let it fall. It's very important. And the wind blows where it listeth. You hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell from where it goeth and whither it cometh. Because ministering in the spirit has to do with moving into space and time. So, people that minister in the spirit understand the concept of time and space. So, even ministering deliverance, the demons will tell Jesus, have you come to cast us out before our time? That means there's time. And they also deal with space. So, they said, Jesus said, come out. Then they said, permit us to enter the pigs. And when they entered the pigs, the pigs went into the sea. There is the, the, there's the issue of space and time. But I want to take you into Exodus chapter 13 from the verse number 
Exodus 30. Let me pick it from verse 22. Moreover, the Lord speak unto Moses, saying, Take thou also unto thee principal spices. Everybody say principal spices. Of pure mare, 500 shekels, and of sweet cinnamon, half so much, even 250 shekels, and of the sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and of the oil, olive, and hin, or a gallon. And thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary. It shall be an holy anointing oil. And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith, and the ark of the testimony, and the table, and all his vessels, and the candlestick, and his vessels, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all the vessels, and the laver and his foot, and the laver and his foot. And thou shalt sanctify them, that they may be most holy. Whatsoever, whatsoever touches them shall be holy. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, This shall be an holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations. Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured, neither shall you make any other like it. After the composition of it, it is holy, and it shall be holy unto you. Shall I hear somebody shout an amen? amen? Now, so first of all, you will notice from this scripture that the anointing has got constitution. Say constitution. You see, the anointing is made of many things. He said, thou shalt take the, thou shalt compound unto me the oil. So, if you want to carry an anointing, you will have to understand that the anointing is made of many things. It is compounded. Everybody say compounded. So I'm talking about constitution here. You read Isaiah chapter 11 and the verse number 2, and it talks about the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, and the power of the spirit of God. So you notice that anointing includes wisdom, anointing includes understanding, anointing includes counsel, anointing includes might, anointing includes the fear of the Lord. If you see anointing as representing only power, your anointing will not last. You cannot be anointed when you don't think properly. The Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. One of the biggest expressions of the anointing is sanity of mind. When I talked about sanity of mind, I'm talking about the ability to articulate things. You just understand it. Get wisdom. Counsel. And the anointing also means you have might. That means you are strong. You can resist temptation. And you can overcome crisis. Anointed people are very strong on the inside. The enemy can hit them, but they'll bounce back. If you don't have might, you cannot say I'm anointed. 
So the anointing has got many constituents. So he said, compound the anointing oil. And he said, it shall be made of the principal spices. What are the principal spices? Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, holiness, might, power. All of them together constitute the principal spices of the anointing. And he gave the quantities. He said, you will take 500 shekels of mare, and you will take 250 um, shekels of sweet cinnamon, and you will take another 250 shekels of calamus, sweet calamus, and you will take 500 shekels of cassia, and you will take a gallon of oil, then you mix them together and form the, 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 the anointing oil. So it's made of many things. You, you, you can't say I'm anointed just because I'm prayerful. It goes with many things. And I pray that you will understand that. You will understand that. So the anointing is structured because of the constituents. Everybody say the constituents. So may God give you a complete anointing. On Monday, on Monday night, I'll be talking about the complete anointing. That also is a book, but I'll be talking about it on Monday, that the anointing is complete. When you put all these things together, then you get a complete anointing. I believe that if you say you're anointed, we should see it in your family life. Um, if you work in the corporate world, we should see it in you. Daniel was anointed, and you could see the anointing in his life in the corporate world. Don't be anointed only in the church. And when you go to your place of work, Nobody has regard for you because you don't function and you don't deliver. The anointing has many constituents. Everybody say constituents. So the constitution of the anointing. Number two, the carriers of the anointing. He said that you will anoint the instruments and the vessels and the altar and the labor and other things that are in the sanctuary. And then you will also anoint Aaron and his sons. Everybody say, anoint Aaron and his sons. Now, people, it's not anybody who can carry an anointing. It's not anybody who can carry an anointing. I remember when David realized that he was a man after God's heart. He thought he could just do anything. He was a man after God's heart. The Bible said, I have found David my servant, and with my holy oil have I anointed him. And he said, he found David, a man after God's heart, and God chose him. So, God chose him, he's a man after God's heart. Then one day, David presumptuously got up and said, Lord, I want to build you a temple. And God said, you can't build me a temple. Your hands are soiled with blood. Your son Solomon will build me a temple. But in terms of the fear of God, Moses was higher, sorry, I beg your pardon, David was higher than his son Solomon. But, but God said, so David, you cannot build me tabernacle or a temple, your son Solomon will do it. So people, in terms of the carriers of the anointing, it is not everybody who can carry the oil. Oils belong to specific people. Look at even in the world of cosmetics. It is not anybody who can use some kind of cream. There is a certain kind of cream that can come on you and it's fine. If I use it, I'll get some allergy. 
So, the anointing does not have to come upon just anybody. So, look at what he said. He said, it shall not come upon flesh. Because if you put it on any flesh, which is not sanctified, ordained, and separated to carry the anointing, that flesh will die. He said, if you put it on a stranger, I will kill the person. Listen, one of the easiest ways to die is to mess up with the anointing. Don't carry anointings and graces God didn't call you into. It can kill you prematurely. You can die. That is why things like communion, you don't take them unadvisedly. He said, some people take the communion not descending the body, and for that matter, some are weak, and some are sick, and some even die. So communion can kill. I'm sure that sometimes when you go to the laboratory and they want to find out the cause of your sickness, they never told you that communion was part of it. But I tell you people, eating communion unworthily can kill. You don't fornicate on Saturday and go into church and take communion on Sunday. Drink alcohol on Saturday night. Sunday morning, you baptize it with communion. You are committing suicide. But when you go to the laboratory in the hospital, they cannot detect that. They don't know the kind of sickness which is you are sick because you committed a sin. So there are many things we do in church and we don't realize that the thing is bringing problems upon us. And the anointing is one of them. You don't put the anointing on the flesh. And in the Old Testament, the, the flesh meant that the body of a human being who is not an Aaronite or a Levite, don't put the oil on de them to serve in the, in, the, in the office. But I see the flesh in the New Testament being more than just being an Aaronite or a Levite, not being, I see the flesh being more than not being a Levite or an Aaronite, but in the New Testament, I believe that the flesh represents carnality. That when you are carnal, don't put the oil on yourself. If you are gossip, liar, dishonest, don't put the oil on yourself. There are rules as far as the carriers of the anointing are concerned. And they have to be pure, they have to be holy, but above all, they have to be separated. God has to call them. They have to be chosen by God, selected by God. Anybody you see carrying an anointing, God selected them, God called them. You can't just get up and elect yourself and say, I've called myself. And, and, and I will also carry the oil. And uh, especially in our day where the anointing oil is very common and people think that the, 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 the the, the oil in the bottle is the anointing. The oil in the bottle is good, but I'm telling you, until there is the spiritual force behind it, you are just applying cream to your body. In fact, if there's no spiritual power behind that oil, it's just a cosmetic substance. But I pray that anytime you pick up oil to put on your body, the power of God from on high will be on that oil. Then the oil will be effective. So you read it and then you see that it's talking about the constitution of the oil and it's also talking about the carriers of the oil that it is Aaron who shall anoint 
It is Moses, I beg your pardon, who shall anoint Aaron and his children. So, somebody carries the oil and applies it to another person. Now, God was there. God is the one who prescribed it. But it was a human being who took the oil and applied it to another human being. You, you meet some people and they tell you, well, God is going to anoint me and there is no human being who can lay his hands on me and no human being can give me the anointing and no human being can bless me. No, God uses vessels. God uses vessels. It, it, it's just like you, you may have food, but you need a fork or a knife or a spoon to eat the food, though you have a hand. So God uses people. He used Moses and applied the anointing. The anointing you need in life sometimes is in the hand of somebody. And you will have to get that person to bring you that anointing. That is why Pastor Agu will invite different speakers to come into the church. That is why Pastor Agu himself is your pastor. Because God knows that you need a pastor called Pastor Agu. It's not just anybody who can pastor you. I remember one day I was somewhere in a meeting and they were talking about a certain official, um, government official in, in our country. And then somebody made a remark and said, this government official needs a pastor who can give her oversight. If you are sitting there, you may think it's presumptuous. If she has God, why does she need a pastor? God has to use somebody to take care of you. So Peter said that you should obey them and submit to, to them because they watch over your souls. I thought it's the Lord who watches over the souls of people. But God said no. The Lord watches over the souls of people, but he uses somebody. It's just like the government takes care of you, but he will use the police and use the army. So may God just... May God make you come to the place where you never miss an anointing because when somebody comes your way, he may be carrying a word you need, he may be carrying an anointing you need, he may be carrying grace you need. So here is Cornelius, and Cornelius is praying in his house, and an angel appears to him and said, Cornelius, I want you to send and bring a man from Joppa. His name is Peter. Now, my problem is, if an angel appears, let him do the work. But the angel said, I have appeared, but I'm not qualified to do the work. I am not anointed for this one. I am not anointed. You see, angels are not anointed to baptize people in the Holy Ghost. That is the work of men. So he said, I'm an angel. I have my assignment. I have my mandate. This is not part of my work. Go and bring Peter. Why didn't he say, go and bring James? Go and bring John. He said, Peter, specific. When you see somebody who carries an anointing you need, may you recognize it. Amen. So he said, and Moses shall anoint Aaron. And when you are also in a service, like I'm doing a service now, it's not everybody I should lay my hands on. The Bible said, don't lay hands on any man suddenly and don't become partakers of another man's sins. So I may come to a line and lay hands on one, two, skip this, skip that, and jump to somebody else. And you are ministering, and, and the hands move. The hands move. And, and you lay hands on somebody, but not another person. It doesn't mean God is not blessing that person, but at that particular moment, God didn't intend for hands to be laid on somebody else. 
So, we are talking about the constitution, the carriers of the anointing. Because of time and because we must have some ministration this morning, let me now talk about the conduction of the anointing. Conduction of the anointing. He said, you will take Aaron and then you will take um, conduction of the anointing. Yeah. Let, let me put it this way. He said, compound the oil according to the art of the apothecary. That word art means labor. It means skill. It means operation. Listen, dealing with the anointing is an area that needs skill. That is why the more you minister in the anointing, the more you discover the skill. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an area that requires, when I talk about art, I'm not talking about drawing. I'm talking about skill. I'm talking about operation. I remember one day I was sitting in my office and then my wife came in. She, she just came in. This was about two months ago, about three months ago. She came in. She said there, there was a lady and the daughter. She wanted me to pray for them. And when your wife gives you that instruction, normally you shouldn't ask the Holy Spirit anything. Just obey. <laughs> because if you don't, when you go home, you will know that there's a difference between the Holy Spirit and the woman. So she just brought me the instruction. She said, lay hands on this person. And I'm saying in my head, Madam, I've just finished preaching. So I shouldn't just be laying hands without consulting my boss. But now here is the deputy boss who has brought me people to lay hands on. You know, like the way James and John, their mother, came to Jesus and said, permit our children to sit on, you know, permit my children, one to the left, one to the right. So my wife brought them and said, I should lay hands on them. I said, okay, that's fine. So I started ministering to them. And the demons and the spirits instantly started leaving them. It happened instant in the office. Normally in the office, I don't do it. I don't do deliverance in the office, normally. I would do it either in the church or somewhere on the, in the corridors so that in case something comes out of you, <laughs> it will not stay in my office. <laughs> now you may... <laughs> so normally I don't do it in the office because if you are not careful, you, you will mess up the office with a very bad presence. So, and, and I mean it. I don't also do it in the house. No, if you came to my house with a demon, I'll dispatch both of you. <laughs> I pray for people in the house, but not deliverance. I'm very careful when I'm casting out a spirit because the Bible says when, when the unclean spirit is gone out, it looks for a place. Tomorrow I'll be preaching on that. First service and second service. I'll be dealing with the unclean spirit with purpose. That spirit that left and was looking for a place. And the thing about these demons is that they look for good places. So the Bible said when he came and found a place and it was swept and garnished. And me too, my house is swept and garnished. <laughs> my office is swept and garnished. Ah, demons, they like nice things. They like beautiful women, handsome men, intelligent people, very anointed people. That's what they like. They don't like ragra things. 
That is why when you are very gifted, you have to be very careful. Because demons will like you well, well. Huh? And when you are the firstborn, they will like you. Because they know that the firstborn carries birthright. So, let me leave that. We'll talk about that another time. But my wife brought them and said, lay hands on them. I laid hands instantly. The deliverance started. And there are times when these demons are coming out, you can see them. So I saw the demons leaving, and they were entering the women who were in the office with me. So I'm ministering. There are two men with me ministering. There are three ladies who are helping these ladies I'm ministering to, and the demons were entering the ladies. I could see them. They were like shadow and cloud, dark, just going into them. I just saw, who it goes in, who it goes in. Now, I finished the deliverance. I had to now deliver the ladies who were in the area. And when I finished with them, the men who were there, the Lord now told me, these demons cannot harm these men, but they can carry it home and impart it to their wife. So I had to deliver the men too. So after the service, prayer, I was supposed to pray for people which was supposed to last just two minutes. Ended up taking us over one hour. And that is because people, when it comes to conducting the anointing, there are rules. It's a transfer. It's like if you want to transfer money or the conduction of electricity, electrical current from one thing to another, or the conduction of heat from one region to another region. It has rules, instructions. So you see God giving Moses instructions concerning the anointing oil. It shall not come on the flesh. And this is the way to anoint it. And this is the way to do the anointing. It has to do with a lot of rules. And when you start operating in the anointing, you will see many, many, many rules. You see many rules. So a woman is looking for healing. And she said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment. That means she understood that if I touch the hem of his garment, I will receive the anointing. She understood that when there is a carrier of the anointing, there is a way the anointing is conducted. I don't know how somebody got to know that if I can take my sick people and put them in the shadow of Peter, the anointing will rub off on them. I don't know. It, it has to be supernatural. It has to be supernatural. I pray that wherever the anointing is, may God give you the grace to catch the anointing. Amen. One day I saw somebody catch an anointing, and that somebody was not a human being, but a donkey. I was shocked. Donkey. Balaam's donkey. Balaam used to ride this donkey and prophesy. And he never knew the donkey was catching the anointing. Until one day when the prophet became mad and lost his direction, then the donkey saw an angel. Can you imagine this? An, a, a donkey is seeing vision. An angel. And the donkey now spoke to him and said, I've been with you many years. I've never disobeyed you. And the angel said, you are fortunate. This donkey saved your life. The Bible said in the book of Peter, he said that the donkey, the Bible said the dumb that other word, we don't pronounce it anyhow. The dumb donkey forbade the madness of the prophet. I'm sure all this while he was riding the donkey, he didn't know the donkey was receiving an impartation. 
listen to me, there is no way you can be in this church all these years. And some of Pastor Agu's anointing is not in you. Some of this grace is on you. If this church is big, you will do big business. If this grace is real and you are in this church, you will do big family. You yourself, you will do a big thing. One day, when you are doing a church of um, redeemed, your church will also be big like this one. May you receive an impartation of the anointing, the, the supply of the spirit in the name of Jesus. So he said, you will apply the oil. And he showed him how to apply the oil. And you notice that everything has got structure. The whole thing about the anointing is structure. So, character comes in, the anointing and character. That you can't live your life anyhow and still carry an anointing. Number two, that the anointing goes with a lot of decency and order. See the way we are seated? Decently, orderly. It affects the anointing. You look at everything that is on this stage, where the drums are, where this keyboard is, where that one is. I believe everything is according to plan, decency and order. And the anointing and the atmosphere, the kind of atmosphere you cre create determines the output of the anointing. I've been ministering in three different churches since I came to London this time. I ministered at Trinity Baptist Church. I ministered here on Thursday night. Yesterday, I was an, at another place. All the places, the effect of the ministry is different because the human beings are different and the atmospheres are different. So sometimes you see a man of God here, see the man of God here, and all the anointings are peculiar because of the atmosphere. A atmosphere affects the anointing a lot. And whatever anointing you carry, you must remember that no matter how invisible you are, the anointing must be activated. How do you activate the anointing? By fasting and prayer. So what we are doing now, 21 days pursuit of God, you are activating the anointing of God on your life. Number two, separation and meditation. Sometimes you are not necessarily praying, you are not necessarily fasting, but you just separate yourself and then you meditate on the word of God. Number three, self-denial. If you want to be seriously anointed, you must be a, a person who denies yourself. That means you, you will not be in the flesh and you seek the things of God and the interest of God and you make serious sacrifices. Um, for me, as, as a young man growing up, the Lord told me when you finish school, go and stay in Bogatanga. Be there all your life. And I've been there since the age of um, 26. I've been there and I've not moved. So over 33 years now, I finished school and just went to the northern part of Ghana and stayed there. Recently, we heard some terrorists were trying to attack the northern part of Ghana and they were threatening from Burkina Faso. Somebody said, so what were you thinking about? Nothing. Nothing. Are you thinking about running away? Impossible. Where am I going to? He that puts his hand on the plow and tends to look back is not fit for the kingdom of God. We are living for Christ. And we minister for him. And we live for him. Am I talking to somebody at all? Self-denial. Paul said, I don't count my life dear unto me. But what I do is that I'm committed to a purpose. 
Okay? And that's because some people sometimes want to run some people out of some parts of the world so that they will just take over. And you and I must take our stand for God. Number four, when you want to carry the anointing and make it powerful, you activate it by going where the needs are. If you take your anointing where it's not needed, it will not work. Electrical light is only needed where there's darkness. Number five, exercising the anointing. The more you exercise the anointing, the stronger it becomes. So I pray in Jesus' name that God will bless somebody and um, make, your, make the anointing stronger in your life. But today I pray that whatever you will receive, may the Lord give it to you in the name of Jesus. I like something Peter said when he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. There is no way God will send me to you this morning if there's nothing out of my life you need. So I pray that the anointing God has put on this house, on Pastor Agu's life, the leadership of this house, and me as their guest, may you receive it. If it's a healing, receive it. If it's a deliverance, receive it. If it's an impact,